Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. He's absolutely right. You are listening to another episode of Talking CFD. Welcome along. If you're looking for a show about taking your CFD business to the next level, then you're in the right place. Today, I'm talking with Hasem Taleb of Optimad, the Turin-based company deep into solving some of the problems that exist around freeform deformation and shape optimization. Hey, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robin. Hello. Hello to everyone. I struggled to describe you guys a little bit. Um, a, a company based in Turin, that wasn't very specific. Um, you guys have got a few things going on over there at Optimad, so perhaps you could break it down for the listeners. What do Optimad do today? How do you describe yourselves? Well, you know, um, uh, Optimad is um, a spin-off company of the Department of Aerospace Engineering of the Politecnico di Torino. And uh, we started our business back in 2006, um, and we were mainly doing some consultancy in CFD and in particular in shape optimization. And this is what we are actually doing uh, also now. But furthermore, we started to develop some products. And let's say this is maybe uh, our main goal, uh, our main long-term goal at this moment. So you are a consultancy with products. Um, is that how you see yourself staying or are you in a kind of transitional stage, either towards more products or away from product and back to consultancy? Well, you know, um, the decision to develop some products came out due to the fact that we realized that we, we needed uh, to develop uh, a stronger economical uh, backbone to our company. But you see, um, uh, even if, uh, at least in Italy, consultancy, it's, it's not a very easy business. But anyhow, it's, uh, it's a very, very good channel to keep contact with your, with your customers. Uh, so um, when you do consultancy, you get really an insight of the problems of your customers and how they work and what are the particular burdens uh, they have to face. And for sure, this, this insight and this knowledge, it is also, um, how to say, um, it is a valuable thing in order to develop your products. So I think uh, consultancy will be, uh, will always exist in our company but maybe the role of the consultancy will will change in the sense that nowadays it is really our everyday business this is where our money comes from but maybe in the future it is it will be more uh, like like a channel to have uh, to keep the contact with the industry and to know about their problems and what uh, what are the needs in order to feed this information to the product developer. So to give you some context of what, what to build, what people want you to, uh, what problems people want you to solve. Exactly. Did you start by solving your own problems or has it, has it always been um, solving problems that you see customers having? Well, yeah, it is uh, the later the, the, uh, that you said. Huh? So um, uh, we started, let's say, we had... It's a, a technical background uh, while we were engaged at the university. Huh? And of course, we developed some, like, let's say, some solvers, some tools, some methods, things like that. But actually, when we started the business, uh, we never actually used them. Huh? Oh, right. Yeah, at, at the beginning, it was like that. 
um, would rely on commercial software uh, and maybe uh, adapting some small tools to uh, to the customer's workflow in order to enhance productivity or to solve a, a very specific problem. So little tools to create a process rather than uh, than sort of keystone pieces. Exactly, exactly. But then, uh, you know, uh, so the, at the beginning, the problems that we were solving were only the customer's problems. Uh, but of course, if if the customer has a problem, it becomes your problem. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and so we started to really... Um, uh, to, de- to develop some more, um, let's say, some more specific tools and to, um, uh, to organize the development of these tools in order to refactorize, let's say, the, the whole work. Eh? So in order not to start from scratch every time uh, you have a new consultancy, uh, every time you have a new consultancy. So um, this was actually the the seed of the of our product development. Uh, we were facing uh, often similar problems in our consultancies, and so uh, we decided to de- uh, to make it like a spin off of these tools, um, and to really to promote them to products. That process of promoting what is an internal tool into a um, into a sort of a, a customer facing or a commercial tool, I guess that's possibly not quite as straightforward as it as it sounds. Is that is that the case for you guys? Yeah, uh, definitely. It is like you said because you know the first thing. I mean, uh, what we experienced is that you most probably underestimate the effort uh, needed in order to deploy. A product to a, really to a to a customer, or let's say to a wide range of uh, let's say anonymous customers. Yeah? As long as you're really talking to your um, to your customer, like you do in, when you do consultancy, you really know everything about about him, about his workflow, about the specific problem. But when we are when you're talking about um, uh, developing a product to a broad range or a potential broad range of uh, audience uh, you have um, you have to imagine all kind of different of different scenarios and workflows and your product must adapt uh, to these uh, to these scenarios it is not that you can um, impose to the customer to adapt to your product so really it takes uh, the the effort to, to develop a product, uh, to, to develop all the interfaces to the technical core, it's really, it's really huge. Um, and, um, you know, um, one thing, when you use your, internally your tool uh, to uh, tackle a problem of one of your customers, maybe you have uh, in the office next to you, you have the whole team who developed the, the tools. Um, and if you have a problem, you may ask you may ask them or they could even adapt the tool to your specific needs uh, if, uh, while you're doing your consultancy. But this, this is not sustainable if you really have a product uh, in mind. I mean, it is impossible. If you, if you try to, to catch out to, let's say, hundreds of customers or even thousands of customers, that um, your development team adapts the tool to each of uh, the specific customer's needs. 
Yeah, you can't hold everybody's hand. Yeah, exactly. So um, it is really, really um, the the effort to imagine how your tool should fit to to let's say in the in the whole CAE scenario is not trivial. So is it a is it a different skill set or is it exactly. a skill set that it is? No, no, because I mean, um, uh, for sure. I mean, for example, we are engineers, and there are some guys who studied in applied mathematics and physics and things like that. But then, uh, you see, uh, once uh, you want to d- deploy a product, eh, you have to think about, uh, let's say, graphical user interfaces, installation, uh, how to call it, ergonomics, and things like that. And these are sometimes really complicated problems and we you don't have the let's say the cultural background the right cultural background to tackle this eh? and it takes you should it may it takes another set of uh, of persons you should hire another set of persons who's able to to develop uh, in the correct way all these aspects which increases of course uh, the resources needed to develop your product so they need to be a little bit more Detached, they need to not have perhaps the same knowledge of the product that you have, uh, and come at it in a similar way to a, a fresh, fresh set of eyes that a customer might have. Yeah, exactly. So I think you mentioned earlier that um, the the consultancy and the um, product development are um, parallel streams of the business at the at the at the current time. Um, yeah. So the, the current the consultancy is funding the the product development, I guess, to some extent. Certainly in the early days. Yeah, exactly. So there's no chance to uh, to stop consulting and, and concentrate on, on just building the product. Well, for us, um, uh, at this stage, um, no, it is really impossible because we, um, we're really, the consultancy is really funding the, uh, the product development. Of course, this introduces also uh, a lot of difficulties in the, in the product development. The main difficulty is, uh, for sure, to um, the, the fact that the developers and the consultants are the same persons. So <laughs> once... Uh, you can't do both at the same time. Yeah, you can't do both. And the consultancy nowadays, since this is where our money comes from, has always a higher priority than the development. So even if a guy is developing, let's say, a new feature in the freeform deformation tool or in the solver, uh, and uh, the phone rings and there's a new consultancy, uh, he will stop in the middle of the development uh, and switch to doing the consultancy. And you can imagine that this causes a lot of problems. Is there scope for for attracting venture funding for this sort of thing, or are we at a disadvantage because we're in Europe, or do we have to get a bit more creative about funding projects like this in in our space? Do we need to look at joint ventures or research funding or something like that? Hmm. Well, um, maybe I'm not the most appropriate person uh, for the, uh, for this question eh? because um, uh, what we saw that uh, that there are a bunch of difficulties in in attracting venture capital to this kind of business because you see uh, we're I mean what we're doing it may be beneficial for let's say something like consumer goods and things like that but what we're actually doing is scientific computing yeah? and 
even the fact of communicating the advantages or the disadvantages of a method, of an approach, with respect to another one, which may be, which, which may be uh, already be on the market, uh, it's, not, it's really not so trivial. Eh? You have to have a very specific audience. And I think, and I think it, uh, it is quite difficult to, um, to attract, how to say, the big funds. In, in the this. scale. In our experience, it is not so easy to to get into the con- to get into contact and things like that, because you know if you want to attract funds, eh, there's again an overhead in 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 presenting your company in a certain way. You have to develop a business plan. You have to do a lot. If you want to write a good business plan, you have to do really a lot of research. You have to have access to a lot of numbers, and especially in our. Uh, in our field, this access is really not granted. Uh, there aren't a lot of companies who who analyze this type of markets. Uh. You mentioned earlier that you're originally a spin-off from the um, Politecnico di Torino. Um, yeah. Did you spin off far? Are you, are you an independent entity or are you still in the academic orbit? It looks like you've still got strong links to academia. Yeah, we for surely we do have... Um, uh, a lot of collaborations with academia and um, we're involved in, in a bunch of research projects and uh, but um, in the end our company it's uh, it became completely independent of the of the of the, Poly, of the Politecnico di Torino so um, there are I mean I think it's the natural way things should evolve uh, nowadays we do not have um, such a big uh, involvement into the academia as we did, as we used to have before. Right, you still have academic partnerships, I guess. Do you see you see value in those partnerships for for small businesses? I mean, it probably doesn't make sense on a on a similar level for for big businesses for for, for small consultancies. Is that a is that a channel that that other people perhaps may be overlooking? Um, well, I think it depends very much what your business is into. If you're really doing a consultancy in the sense that uh, you rely on, um, on the capabilities that uh, a certain software is, is providing you and you try to resell these capabilities to third parties, I think uh, the, the relationship with the academia may not so be so fruitful uh, in the end but if you if you want to develop your own products if you, and or even if you want to develop your own solutions that means for example uh, what we did in, a, in the past is to develop a module for the for open foam uh, uh, which um, which permits you to, to make many queries and things like that in, in very short times if you want to develop these kinds of things, I think uh, the relationship with academia is, is really necessary huh? uh, because you um, you have to differentiate yourself yeah. from, from, from others uh, and you really need to have... Uh, uh, you need to have the input and the... Uh, in, order to, to, in order to develop innovative products and methods and things like that. So it's probably of more value to a a company looking to develop a product and be 
so say cutting edge um, as opposed to perhaps a consultancy whereby it may be perhaps a little bit slow moving or something like that yeah yeah i think you see especially i think especially if, if you're doing consultancy and you rely on let's say a commercial tool chain i think really there is no yeah no value in it because even if you somehow you obtain some uh, some knowledge yeah some some know-how you don't have any way you don't have any channel to uh, um, uh, to put this know this knowledge into into a container on the contrary even if you uh, if you work in an open source uh, context framework uh, even if you if you do some only some consultancy but maybe you want to develop an innovative approach to something yeah? uh, the the open source framework will permit you to do to do it and uh, the collaboration with with academia may be a way of gaining this this uh, this know-how yeah you i mean you you brought the conversation around to to open source your products are gpl aren't they they are open sourced is that correct yeah yeah actually um we, what we're developing right now, um, we're going to re- release it with an LGPL license. Uh-huh. In our business model, uh, we, uh, we foresee that we will not release all of our developments in uh, LGPL. Uh, okay. We release the, the core of the tools in LGPL. But then, uh, let's say, some advanced features or things like that, We'll uh, put it maybe into a um, an, a commercial a, a commercial product. Because yeah. that was going to be my next question. Sort of how how do you see um, the business model around releasing products under GPL but still making some money? Hmm. Is it only around support? But you, 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 like I say, you've answered that um, in the sort of gating features and, and um, licensing access or something like that. Yeah, um, you see. Um, Actually, we we do not want to, to base our business um, on, let's say, providing support eh? because it's. Um, I'm afraid that again, it, it will not be a scalable business model. What, uh, what we what we're looking at is um, is uh, let's say some some mixed license model. Mm. Then, of course, uh, we believe. Like many others, that there's uh, a future in, in, let's say, in exploiting cloud capabilities in, in let's say, generally in, in CAE. But we believe also that in order to exploit cloud and let's say a business model related to cloud that means on demand and things like that, um, it takes a new family of products rather than just trying to apply what. The, the old, let's say, the old products which were related to an old workflow to the cloud environment. So, let's say, these are the, the two ways that we, we envisage in order to make some money. The mixed licensing. Yeah, the mixed licensing and the cloud, uh, the cloud access. You also mentioned, um, so I was doing my homework and... Um, <laughs> looking around your website um and you mentioned open innovation a few times i feel like i'm coming across that phrase pretty frequently but 
I don't really know what it is. Can you flesh it out a little bit for me? Uh, maybe no one really knows what it is, uh, <laughs> uh, open innovation. Uh, but to you. How, <laughs> how we intended. It's like, it's like, I told you, for example, that we are developing uh, some products uh, and some of these, um, of the core of these uh, products are going to be released as, with an LGPL license. And I told you about our difficulties in, uh, in sustaining the, the development of the product. What we intend with open innovation is that rather than uh, attracting, uh, let's say, uh, venture capitalists, we are open, for example, to share the, um, the developments with some other companies. And by sharing the code with other companies, uh, we would like, of course, to share uh, the cost of the developments and also the cost of the, of the, of the introits, of the income. But uh, another thing that we intend with, um, with generally with open uh, innovation is that um, even if uh, another company uh, has some business in mind, uh, and they believe that the tools that we develop may be, um, uh, may be useful in order to shorten their development times and costs. Uh, uh, we could, um, let's say, deploy these tools to them and uh, participate uh, at, uh, with the, um, uh, at the potential uh, income of this business. Uh, so rather than being paid, like let's say, on a consultancy basis or a development basis, we could provide uh, we could provide our, our tools and our services um, and participate uh, in turn at the um, at the business of the partner. So the open aspect of that makes it that collaboration much easier much more transparent to each other makes that business relationship um smoother yeah, exactly and then it opens uh, uh, the possibility to a lot of different scenarios uh, it isn't i mean what i develop uh, may be useful to your business and not uh, and and uh, i give you access to this um to these developments, it is uh, uh, there's no uh, solid barrier about our intellectual property. Right. Mm-mm. So it's the goal is to remove those barriers and make it easier for uh, for companies to develop potentially smaller tools that then you can kind of stack together into um, to, to solving problems. Because I guess the idea is that the smaller companies might not be able to on their own attack an entire problem but they do have an excellent solution for one aspect of the problem they may not even see the entire problem in their market but somebody else who's seen this new opportunity um, can stack the bricks of various innovations together to go out and solve a uh, a painful problem in a market yeah yeah you're right you're definitely right because you know especially when you're talking about product development eh, there are so many aspects you have to take care uh, about and i mean uh, if someone did take care about it eh, why not giving this to someone else rather than developing everything from scratch 
how to say, to lower the cost of, uh, of deploying a new tool. Is it the case, do you think, so I was going to ask if this is something that you think more companies could benefit from, but I think it sounds like it's the sort of thing that possibly needs a a particular mindset in the company. I think some companies would probably um, have a different view of where the IP, what where the value lies in their IP and yeah. um, would probably put maybe too much value on their code um, rather than um, perhaps the the problems that they're solving. Yeah. In fact, you know, I think one of the, our main target uh, for this, uh, regarding the Open Innovation Initiative, is maybe like, they say, uh, academic partners or people who are doing their PhD or they develop something which they think that it may uh, give a contribution to the industry. But uh, in order to make the step from, let's say, a numerical method or something like this to industry, uh, uh, the step is generally very, very big. And so this is our main target. Uh, People who have an idea and uh, we would like to encourage them to take the idea further uh, by helping them in in realizing it. So maybe, you know, traditional industry is not really the main main target of this initiative because, um, as you mentioned, uh, they... They have a very particular, a very strong view on on IP, and uh, and uh, it is not generally speaking, it is not easy to to to, to interact and uh, and to to get um, how to say. Uh, Once they've made up their mind where their IP lives, then um, yeah. it's difficult to change that mindset. Exactly, exactly. So if we were to leave our listeners with a little bit of uh, a nugget of experience, um, perhaps for somebody listening who's just starting their own consultancy and they're looking to fund a product idea that they've had, what advice do you wish you'd had when you started out? Hmm. I think um, uh, one of the most important thing is um, that you must be able really to position yourself in the, in the industrial scenario. Yeah? Uh, I mean, generally, I think there are a lot of people out there who develop great tools or great methods and things like that. Uh, but uh, the, maybe they are not really aware if this, the, the potential of this tool really re, uh, reflects an industrial need. So, one thing I'd uh, recommend to everyone is really to go out to the industry, to your potential customers, and uh, ask if they would uh, buy the product that you have in mind. If this is really your, um, if if it really uh, resolves a problem that they face on an every on an everyday basis. If so, then. Uh, uh, then for sure there's a, 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 a big potential a big potential in the idea on the contrary uh, 
it may be something which uh, may have a, a small impact, but for sure, the um, as a developer, you will have to struggle a lot in order to place your product, and this will inevitably become a problem in order to uh, sustain your business, eh? because once you invested all the money you have or all the um, uh, all the resources you have in your product to, in order to develop it, if there's no uh, if there's no cash flow coming back at this point, generally speaking, things uh, can become very very critical. Right? Yeah, that's, that uh, sounds like an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think uh, people, should, everyone, should be honest. Uh, uh, about the potential of their applications, of their products, and things like that. It's not a good idea unless somebody's going to pay you some money for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to thank you for uh, for your time here, Heysam. Um Where should um, listeners go if they want to find out more about you, about Optimad, or if they've got some unmet, free-formed affirmation needs, maybe if they want to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's uh, our website where you can find some information. I mean... We have, <laughs> for sure, we need to maintain our website uh, uh, in a better way. But I think the best thing to do is, um, or to drop us a line, or just to make us a phone call. Uh, the the contact information, you'll find them on our website. <laughs> cool. So that's optimad.it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks again, Hussam. Thank you, Robin. Well, I guess you're still listening. You must have got something out of this. So why not hop over to TalkingCFD.com and sign up for the mailing list? Be good to have you. You'll get updates of new episodes and also more info about the end of season roundtable that I'm planning, where you can join me and some of this season's guests live for a little Q&A session. If that's your speed, then drop your email in the box at TalkingCFD.com and I'll keep you in the loop. See you next time. Thank you.